Lookman, will he shoot? Still with Lookman! The perfect parting gift before jetting off to the African Cup of Nations with Nigeria. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Say Our Spotlight. This is episode 106 and we're your host Jake and Matt here to bring you all the events of Match Day 18 in Syria. Not without wishing all of you a very, very happy new year, huh? Yes, 2024, bro. Have you had to use Tipex yet at work? I don't use Tipex at work. Do you use pens? Well, just for my notes, but when I get them wrong, I just scribble it off, mm, you know? Yeah. I'm a highlight, my completed tasks kind of guy. I've never been work. about that life, huh, personally. No? No, no. I've, I've always, to be honest, I've never been about Tipex either. I just cross things off, like, but, yeah. but yeah. Fuck Tipex. Who the hell uses Tipex? Tipex no is weird. You have to make mistakes to use Tipex. Yeah, we don't make mistakes. Exactly. Our goal of the week, this might have been a mistake. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, th- this was probably a mistake. We actually disagreed for, for a bit on this. Um, first of all, the goals this week were not brilliant. There weren't many goals, and the goals that took place weren't great. Yeah, I mean, there was Lukmans and Chuanas. Yeah. And they were very similar. They are very identical. Yeah. I think Lookman's dribble was a little bit saucier, a little bit more refined. Even yeah. the finish had less of a bubble to the shot. I think it was cleaner. But Chuan, I almost wanted to give it to him because of the stage, no? In a, mm. in a relegation battle. It's a relegation six-pointer and he single-handedly kept Salernitana alive with a moment of brilliance. So. Yeah. Yeah, he still had so much to do with that man. Obviously, Pajero had a had a great goal, um, a volley for Dinesa and a massive three 0 victory over Bologna. Who the fuck would have thought? Like, yeah, and he was volleying it all game. Bro. Yeah, man, he's 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 been playing really well since that red card. He's really stepped it up. He's been having it from everywhere. Um, <laughs> and Rabiot, obviously. Yeah, as well. the reason we didn't pick Pajero is because the ball fell to him and he was placed in the right place at the right time, kind of thing. Um, and the Rabi- shot was kind of central as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, Rabiot's goal obviously gave, you know, Juve the victory over a, a pragmatic and, and tough opponent in, in Roma. Um, the build-up play, okay, the, the backheel ball by Vlaovic was brilliant, was a bit messy in the build-up mm-hmm. to that, and then the finish at the near post, I do think Rui... Patricio could have done a little bit better. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's between Lukman and Chuana, and I think Lukman's was, as you said, the more refined goal. Um, Chuana's would be special because of the stage, of course. Please let us know below. Vote on the poll or drop your opinion in the comments, please. Yeah, um, while you're at it, obviously, like, follow, rate, date, chat. This is my favorite thing to do now. I don't know if you guys remember the era on on Facebook. Me and Jake certainly remember it. Um, When someone would post like like this and I'll post what I think on your wall and then there's like at the bottom there's rate date and chat and you will rate the person yeah <laughs> you write yes or no if you date the person and then chat you're like yeah I'll chat or no I won't chat You'd but that see was some like... people get absolutely destroyed bro <laughs> on, the, on their walls like it's like rating four like what the hell like be oh, nice. what I do like you know <laughs> so right. there was one like best feature and they'd give me hair yeah. like what the I got hell? that once as well like I'm you know <laughs> remember my hair was like a toothbrush back then I don't know why they they would choose hair but anyway yeah that, that's enough about our trauma and, and our 
you know, maybe a little bit about what we enjoyed doing on Facebook at a younger age. There was the Coppa Italia. There still is the Coppa Italia going on right now as we're recording. Yeah, Atalanta are currently beating Sassuolo 2-0. Two goals from CDK. Who the fuck would have thought, huh? New year, new CDK. Even blew the fans a kiss after the first one. That's a confident lad, I mean, brother, it's friggin' Wednesday. Right, and the the stadium is packed with Atalanta fans. Milan playing in the Champions League, man. <laughs> Milan's yesterday wasn't even wasn't even packed, but Milan did have a great victory yesterday. Four goals to one against Cagliari, fielding four eighteen-year-olds. Um, he he scored Chaka Traore. Yeah, uh, scored Chaka. the third goal. Jovic scored the opening two. Then Leao came on and also scored. But man, oh man, was I blown away! By Milan's new left back in Jimenez, man. He was incredible. Incredible. I would have never guessed that that was his professional debut. He was Real outstanding. Madrid, Real Madrid, the factor, the, the factory yeah. of these left backs. Please keep them coming, man. Yeah, and they they have coming. a buyback on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever, this guy is super. I mean, Finally, a vice for Teo. Yeah, I, I well. think he's ready. Honestly, yeah, I, I, like, bro, he, his performance left he, nothing to be desired. He, like, he had everything. Make any. Mistakes. It's true. He made no, and, and he was. It's it's not like he played it safe the entire time. He was being risky. Yeah, you know, he's he's a very saucy. A lot of Teo Hernandez. A lot of Teo Hernandez. And he looks like Salamakers, by the way. He is Salamakers. Yeah. <laughs> he essentially is Salamakers. But yeah, um, we also have Patreon guys, and we have a new patron. Thank you, Tim. And this is a new thing that we're going to be doing, guys. Every time we get a new patron, a new subscriber, we're going to be blasting that song. I, I mean, it's party time. No one will get a new patron. Yeah, bro. But first... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you to everyone in the family. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Alan, Andy, Lena, Jose, Luke, Mike, Matteo, Matthias, Luca, Anthony, Michael, David, Kyle... Andrew, Sluge, McNoodle, and finally, Tim Warner, our latest family member. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome to the Spotted. Yep, we appreciate the way in which you signed up as well. I believe he told us, fuck you, I'm becoming a patron. (laughs) Fuck you guys, I'm signing up. (laughs) So we appreciate you, brother. That song was for you. If you guys become a patron, we'll have a song for you as well. We've got one more announcement before the rundown. Yes, we do. Uh, keep your eyes peeled on our Instagram as we're launching our first ever giveaway in collaboration with the very talented Embroidered Malta. Yes, we're giving away an exclusive all-black Serie A spotlight sweater with our logo beautifully embroidered on the top left. Check out our Instagram where you'll find the giveaway post including images of the sweater and all the steps to enter. Follow these steps and you'll be in a good chance to win. The winner will be announced on Thursday the 18th of January on our Instagram. Shout out to Embroidered Malta for their fantastic work. Do check them out on Instagram at Embroidered underscore Malta and maybe even get yourself a custom embroidered sweater. You're certainly in good hands. So without further ado, guys, let's get to the rundown. Yes, we're going to start things off with the staple match of this weekend where Juve beat Roma one goal to nil, which was great news for them because league leaders Inter suffered an away draw to Genoa with the score of 1-1 meaning that gap is narrowed down to two. Milan got past Sassuolo with one goal to nil. It wasn't pretty, but that is the result Milan so desperately needed. 
Napoli drew 0-0 to Monza where Meret saved a dreadful penalty by Pessina and then went off injured. Udinese shocked this area after they beat Bologna 3 goals to nil. Absolutely no one was expecting a stellar performance by Udinese and the manner in which they managed to pull that off. Fiorentina won Torino nil thanks to a late Ranieri header. Atalanta won Lecce nil thanks to our goal of the week by Ademola Lukman before he is off to the African Cup of Nations. Lazio 3, Frosinone 1. What a second half by Lazio and what a second half by Tati Castellanos. Verona nil, Salernitana 1 where Chuana got a great goal and Salernitana won a relegation six-pointer. Massive for them, especially since they were in last place. And another relegation six-pointer, Cagliari nil, Empoli nil. Yeah, this this week was a low-scoring affair. First of all, the games happened so quickly across Friday and Saturday. And yeah. that's it, boom, match day over. Um, it was a blur, to be honest, passed so quickly. Yeah. Um, and now we're halfway through the season. We're exactly at the halfway point of the season, so it's do or die for most of the, these teams. So Salernitano, for example, had to win this game. Yeah, like, They had to win this game to remain relevant. Like, if you're still on a slow start now, it's not just a slow start. You're having a bad season. Yeah. Um, if you're off to a good start, you're having a good season. Everything that happens from here on out is pivotal for the the final outcome of, of this season of Serie A. Absolutely, man. Should we jump into the action with Juventus-Roma? Yep, Juve won Roma nil to start things off. Now, since Inter had dropped two points against Genoa earlier in the weekend, this was a great opportunity for Juve to narrow the gap at the top of the table heading into 2024. But they faced a Roma side who were coming off a strong 2-0 victory over Napoli. On the other hand, it was also a good opportunity for Roma to go level on points with 5th place Bologna, who had just lost to Udinese. The Bala returned from injury to face his former club, along with Leonardo Paredes. Not many people remember Paredes mm. at Juve because he didn't get much playing time. <laughs> Smalling, Abraham and Kumbulla were still out of action due to injury for Roma. As for Juve, Cambiaso, Pogba and Fagioli were suspended, with Moiskin, Alexandra and Mattia De Cilio out injured. Federico Chiesa was not at 100%, so teenage sensation Keenan Yildiz again started, this time with Dusan Vlahovic and the returning Timothy Weah on the right-hand side. Now, the game started aggressively and it started quickly. In the fourth minute, Cristante's powerful volley from inside the area deflected off of Vlahovic and struck the post for the first close call of the game. In the 19th minute, Mancini denied Vlaovic with an excellent sliding block after the Serbian was through on goal after out-muscling Lorente on the turn. That is the Vlaovic we know, the one Absolutely. that could, on the turn, just out-muscle the defender and end up clean through on goal. But Mancini was excellent over there. 31st minute, Dybala strike with his left foot skimmed just wide of Szczesny's far post. In the 42nd minute, a super long throw into the box by McKenny fell to Kostic, who volleyed it very well and very cleanly. He had Patricio beaten, but Indica ran onto the line and headed the ball off the line amazingly. What a clearance. What a goal line clearance. Man. He saw that the shot was going to get past Patricio. He sprinted onto the line and he headed it off. It's not like he was placed there. You know, you, know? you have to be mental to put your head yeah, in man. front of a shot like that. A costage volley yeah. <laughs> from point blank. It must like. have like... And the speech impediment after that for a while, you know. 
In the 47th minute, just after half-time, Rabiot opened the scoring with a clean finish into Patricio's near corner after a lovely backheel flick assist by Dusan Vlaovic. It was taken to VAR, but VAR footage showed this was extremely tight, but the Frenchman was just on side. In the 83rd minute, Chiesa broke forward well and squared a dangerous pass to McKenney, but his centre strike was denied by Patricio. Later on, Chiesa had the ball in the net on 88 minutes, but it was ruled offside because the block on a Samuel Illing Jr. shot did not qualify as a pass, so it was not enough to get him onside again. Alright, so how predictable was Juve 1 Roma 0 as a result (laughs) coming into this? Incredibly predictable. It was going to be (laughs) 1 0 for either one of them or 0 0, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Two of the most okay, the two most pragmatic teams in the top seven coming face to face against each other. Very, um, it it was a weird game though. It was mm. so punchy. I don't know how to describe it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I wouldn't say it was cagey. It wasn't. I heard, it wasn't uh, as I heard someone describe it as a cagey affair. But yeah. both teams were in it. The, the thing is. Juve wanted Roma to have the ball and Roma wanted Juve to have the ball. I think there was a slight mistake in Roma's approach because Juve being the home team, you would anticipate that that their game plan was going to be the one that was going to be pulled off to a more effective kind of degree. So if Juve at home want you to have the ball, you're probably going to have the fucking ball. Plus, Juve have been better than Roma throughout the season. So I think Roma were a bit overconfident in the fact that they said, let's go in with... um, like the midfield of Cristante, Paredes and Bove and f- so that we could defend and so that we can hold back. And disrupt. In- and disrupt. Instead of playing someone like Pellegrini mm. in midfield um, who just got a goal against Napoli on a big stage because you're going to need someone creative because you're going to have a lot more of the ball. So I don't feel like Roma really prepared for the team that they had in front of them. I don't know if you agree with that. Ah, but I guess you never know what your opponent's going to do, right? In a situation like this. Like, are Juve going to change their approach? Like, you, like Allegri and um, Mourinho would have been thinking the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Are they going to let us have the ball? Mm. And you never quite know what the other team is going to do. I think what you need to do is put your best 11 out there. Mm. The, the team that's going to get you... The team that can get you goals, man. Because I, I do agree that the setup is very defensive yeah. by Roma. And to be honest with you, I think Roma would have settled for a draw over here. Oh, absolutely. And so I, I think approach-wise, not much would have changed um, if they, they'd know they were going to have the ball more often than not. Mm-hmm. He would have probably still lined up with Bove, Paredes and Cristante. Um, yeah, but but I was I was impressed though. The game was very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was entertaining. I do think that the deciding factor in this game despite not getting a goal I got an assist Dusan Vlaovic how good was Vlaovic in this game his work ethic um, his strength his pace the way he turned the pace like like no other and, and just his involvement throughout the entire game he was a menace man he was powerful he was he was determined you know he, he was a handful for the, for that back three. And at one point, he even had Diego Lorente on the floor rolling around and he even mocked him. He, was, he did the whole wah, 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 ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. rubbing tears off his eyes. Like, little baby. Yeah, wah, yeah. Wah, wah. 
Um, no goal for him, but that assist was brilliant, right? Yeah. Out of the we can say. Exactly, now. exactly. He, he had a, a bicycle. He had a bicycle yeah. kick attempt for an assist. I, I think Vlaovic was just confident. He was, he was still. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he had a he had a fantastic game. I think a massive deciding factor as to naturally why Juve won this game. If you look at Juve defensively. That back three, the way that it was able to just neutralize the dangerous Dybala and Lukaku. Um, so, firstly, you know what Juve do. They got that goal in the 47th minute and then they took a very defensive approach like Roma, have the ball. Yeah. Dangerous because there's Dybala and Lukaku, which as a combination, you can have someone that gets your goal out of nothing and then you have that poacher in the box um, with that strength to can give someone a layoff, they can just be so creative with those two and so dangerous with those two. But more than anyone, Gilson Bremer, bro, what a tank, he man. fucking had Lukaku in his pocket for the entire game. Lukaku didn't get a single sniff with Bremer. I think Bremer had a slow start to the season, but. His performances recently have, have just been... In, I said he had a slow start. He was out injured, though, yeah, for, yeah. for a while. Um, since he's been back, he's been fantastic for you. I don't think he put a foot wrong this game, man. Literally. He had... Honestly, he had Lukaku in his pocket, and he's pocketed some of the finest this season. You know, he had Leao yeah. and a chokehold. He had um, Ozyman as yeah. well and a chokehold. Um, he's been he's been super. He's probably one of the best, if not the best, centre back in the league. And there's a reason he won MVP for defenders in Serie A when he was back at Torino. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I-, I think he is that fucking just the the anchor for for Juve. Him him and Danilo Gatti does get that kind of freedom to to go up because yeah. we know he can get you a, a little throw. but there was absolutely none of that in, in this game because Juve had a clear game plan. It's get that goal and just just stick back. Again, very dangerous decision. Yeah, no, yeah. by Allegri with Roma's ability to have that firepower. It's, it's almost like he tells the opposition, score, I dare you. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, come, come, try score on us, you know. And the thing is, you look at the back line of Juve and you look at Chesney, man, they trust each other so much. Yeah. So even like if someone goes to take a shot, a long range shot, mm. you know, that's the only way you're really going to challenge challenge Chesney unless you have a set piece. Um, they trust Chesney in goal, you know, he's just going to collect it, no problem. He's a fantastic goalkeeper as well. Yeah, and he, he had a decent game. Um, I believe he had, he, well, Roma had four shots on target, so Chesney had to be responsible for those four saves. Yeah. Um, I think if we look at the other side, without obviously not not ignoring any other performances by Juve, I think Yildiz had a had a decent performance as well, yeah. especially considering it's his second or third start. His second or, start, yeah. his second start, and even that midfield three man of McKenny, Locatelli, Rabiot, mm-hmm. they're tough man. They're tough Shout guys, out McKenny because he's yeah. been he's been very very good and. Who knew he had that throw in his locker? Uh, yeah. that, that long throw. Um, do you think? Sorry to, inter- to interrupt. Do you think Rabiot starts anywhere he goes in the world? Does Rabiot start? And probably not anywhere in the world because, like, would he start at City? If, it, at, 
you know, you know. I think more yes than no. He'll start at most places, Rabio. Because he's got everything. He'll no, be in man. contention for a starting place wherever he goes. I, I think. Literally, because he's an all rounder and he he's determined. He's hard working, very technical. He can score. He can defend. He wins his duels. He covers a lot of ground, man. He's a beast, you know. He's a monster, man, R- Rabio. Absolutely. I think I think you might be right over there, bro. And. Keep in mind how highly rated this guy was in his early years at PSG as a teenager. Yeah. The entire world wanted him. Real Madrid wanted him. Barcelona wanted him. He ended up going to Juve. It took him a while to adapt to the league. But once he adapted, wow, man. Yeah, and he adapted as his contract was running out. So. Yeah, he was off. He was off to United, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. bro. He was off to United. So all the Uber fans were like, oh my God, he's just playing well to get a, a renewal. They renewed him. They're like, no, what are we doing? And he continued <laughs> playing well. Which is, they're, they're super That's happy. About. I'll never yeah, forget. He's 28 years old nowadays, of course. Um, he's, he's, he's in his prime. Yeah. And he's our episode artwork. For, yes. For if you didn't recognize him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we thought he was someone else. Um... But yeah, great, great performance as well by him, Rabio. Um, looking over at Roma, um, I think what we said earlier kind of sums up Roma. I think it was the factor of the decision making going into this game. Did Roma lose this game before the game even started? Because they were going in for an approach which isn't going to hold well against a side like Juve. At least. Juve showed that they have the bigger dick in this in, in this contest. Um, just to highlight Evan Indica and mm-hmm. Evan Indica's performance, particularly in this match, not because he had the goal line clearance, but just his involvement all round. The fact that I don't believe he lost a single duel. No, he in won this them match. all. In fact, yeah, um, he had ninety four percent accurate passes as well, ninety five touches. He was very involved. He pushed up field. He was. He was confident. I, I think he was probably the best defender for Roma this day. And they played all right, you know? Yeah, you'll see that in this in this match. If you guys look at the heat map, obviously, you'll see that all three of the centre-backs were placed quite high up the field. Yeah, but that's because, way, yeah, but that, that's because Juve weren't attacking and Roma were just piling everyone forward and then and playing the ball around. But Gianluca Mancini getting forward and Dica yeah. getting forward and then Llorente being that that last man you know on on the yeah. spot of the of the center midfield but I do feel like they leave a lot to be de- they left a lot to be desired drama simply because they were shut off by, by a very effective Juve side yeah um it's it's weird um the approach would have been as we often say over here you know we could have easily been ended up praising Mourinho's mm-hmm. approach over here um, let's say that Brian Cristante's shot went in earlier on in the first half when he struck the post and they held back and they didn't concede for the rest of the game. You know what I mean? Or or they conceded one later and they finished 1-1. It would have been like, ah, Roma put up a fight here. Yeah, they approached the game well. The fact that um, they they didn't really manage to get the ball over the line really fucks them. Eh? I mean, it's it's a simple thing. It's an obvious thing, but but that's what it is. Eh? Juve are a side that pretty much mirror Roma, mm-hmm. uh, but they're better at what they do. They're yeah, better exactly. at what they do. And they have better quality. Not to mention, okay, it's true. Roma have Lukaku and Dybala. Fair enough. Two mm-hmm. very good players. But let's let's say that Lukaku is new. Let's not forget that Lukaku is new. Mm-hmm. And that Dybala is fucking playing game and game out with his injuries yeah, always yeah, a little yeah. problem so I don't think he's ever fully mm-hmm. fully fully fit Where, whereas on Juve 
You've got Rabiot, who's, as we discussed, pretty much a world beater. Mm-hmm. You've got Vlaovic, who, let's not forget, is a, a top striker, you know? You've got the likes of Chiesa coming off the bench, who can do a lot of damage. Especially when Roma were placed so high up the field and Chiesa came on, he was breaking through those lines. Yeah, man, man absolutely. Like, <laughs> who's going to do that? Spinazzola, you know? <laughs> Zalewski, they don't really have anyone to do that. What, what Roma players offers a lot of industry. Eh? You look at mm. Cristante, Paredes, Christensen, Bove, Zalewski, like oh, those yeah. five guys... They're not the most technical guys in the world at all, at all, at all. Mm-hmm. But they're going to work and work and work. And I think that was the plan here. Eh? Yeah. Try to hold back, defend with everyone except for the ball and Lukaku. And then try to hit them on the break with the ball and Lukaku. In fact, I think what you're saying is exactly why Zalewski is being favoured over Spinazzola. Because if you were to tell me two years ago um, that this kid Zalewski is going to bench Spinazzola against Juve for Roma... I'll tell you, you're crazy. But Spinazzola, because he, he he's more of an offensive player and maybe because of his problems with injury, he doesn't offer you that, you know, going forward and tracking back and going forward and tracking back. He, he's I, I feel like Roma's, uh, Mourinho, sorry, is using Zalewski for his legs more yeah, than yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that fucking work ethic, the fact that he's a horse down that left-hand side. I think Spinazzola's tidier, but Zalewski's more of a Mourinho kind of player. But I think I that's agree. pretty much it when it comes to this game. Again, obviously a pragmatic approach by both teams, so I think you all expected um, this outcome. Juve are in second, now just two points behind Inter, while Strom are in seventh place on 28 points. They are just five points behind Fiorentina in fourth. Yeah, um, you mentioned that Inter are still leading. However, they did slip up. They drew 1-1 to Genoa, away from home. They were missing key players like Lautaro and Di Marco, and they faced a Genoa side managed by Alberto Gilardino, of course, who mirrored their setup with a 3-5-2 formation. Um, I love, by the way, when smaller teams do this. Hey, you man. know, They just mirror your formation, they go man for man. Yep. They play a strong 11, you know, and you just have a hard time um, playing, quite yeah. frankly. Um, for Genoa's lineup, it was Ekuban and Goodmanson starting up front together, um, and everything else was pretty much um, business as usual, with Aaron Martin out on the left, Kevin Strutman in the middle, etc., etc. For Inter, it was Arnautovic and Carlos Augusto stepping in for Di Marco and um, Lautaro. Yeah. The match began with Inter pressing and attacking, but there was actually a funny interruption um, caused by smoke flares from Genoa fans um, earlier on in the game, and this delayed the game by nearly ten minutes. This My happened God. about like like literally ten minutes into the game, um, and it did throw Inter off a little bit because Inter started way better before this whole situation mm. happened than they continued in that half. The twelfth man, uh, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Despite the interruption, Inter managed to take the lead through Arnautovic, who capitalized on a deflected ball from Barella's shot, which came off the post, scoring his first Serie A goal of the season. However, there was a bit of controversy around this goal, as Bissek did seem to push Strutman um, in a header that led up to the goal. The referee um, did not consult VAR, however. I always find it strange when they don't check VAR. Yeah, because like that, that that's why it's seemingly. there. Like, go check it out. Now, there's that thing that is the contact significant, and then if it's an argument of whether or not the contact was significant, it's typically um, the look that the referee had that should count. Because 
he saw it in real time. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I think he should have gone to the monitor, though. It seemed like a like a pretty bad push. Mm. And not pretty bad. I mean, it wasn't a crazy bad push, but it was, it was, a, push. It was a shove. It exactly. was a, a shove in the box. I have no opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Just before the halftime whistle, Genoa did actually equalize through Dragosin. Dragosin, sorry, Dragosin. <laughs> yeah, Dragonara. Dragosin or Dragos out, am I right? Dragos, hopefully, in, dude. He Dragos, might be hopefully, out. fucking in, is one yeah. of my favorite centre backs. I know, God forbid he goes to Spurs. He mm. beat Carlos Augusto and Archerbi to head the ball into the back of the net off of Summer to conclude the first half at 1 1. Um, he's brilliant in the air, man. He's and... proven to be that guy. That guy that you could ping a ball to. And, and, and he is. That centre back in a back three that really, really gets forward and pushes forward for this team. And man, Goodmanson and Ekuban, great up front. Obviously, we know how good particularly Goodmanson is. We know Caleb's hold up play has been better. Mm-hmm. Yes, I just referred to Ekuban Caleb. as Caleb. That's but it imagine you're facing that front two, and then for an aerial threat, you've got Dragosin sprinting in as the yeah, last yeah. man. And he's particularly dangerous as well on set pieces. All of their set pieces involve the simple technique or tactic of crossing the ball to Dragusin. And he's typically so like he's beyond the far post to the point that if anyone goes to mark him, they're out of position and and he'll stretch the lines. So no one typically marks him. And then when the ball is going to him, everyone's like, oh shit. And he'll volley it like a striker, you know. (laughs) Yeah, um, there are talks that he might be off to Spurs, but apparently Napoli are interested as well, and they're offering um, 20 million and Ostigard. I really hope that oh, happens. That, that, so at that least he stays in the league. Yeah. That would be good. I would love, to, as much as I love having a beast like that yeah. at a newly promoted team, which I have a strong it's soft spot for, it, let's let's see him at one of these big yeah, teams. He's yeah. Scuola Juve. The, the, this guy's a professional. He can be very, very good. He's still so young. I believe he's 21. Am I 21, going 21, yes, man. 21 he's years 21. old. It's crazy how young he is. Um, he plays like a veteran player. Yeah. But anyway, um, off to the second half we go. Genoa continued to push in the second half. Their energetic play led by Goodmanson's pace and Ekuban's physical presence, of course, tested Inter's defence. Inter tried feeding the ball to Arnautovic, but they really struggled to pick him out due to resolute defending by Genoa. Bro, they were tighter than... Tighter than what, dog? Let's just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> it was tight. <laughs> yeah, it was tight. It was really tight, bro. Gilardino made strategic substitutions. Of course, to try to actually push for a winner. That's why I respect Genoa. And uh, there's, they've come such a long way from that Genoa we saw that got relegated a few years back, man. Because this guy brought on Retegui and Malinowski like, to push for the win against Inter yeah. who are dominating the league. But because I think we're, we're starting to find out, and there's a bit of a trend in football right now, that the progressive teams are the more successful ones, man. Yeah. It's simply. It's true. It's true. Well, however, there are um, certain teams that do defy that point, like Juve, who are literally... The probably second closest team to being in con- well, the, the closest team to being in contention for the title, other than Inter, of course. Yeah, I th- I... yeah, but but of course, positivity is a trend in Italy. It's a new kind of movement. Not only in know, Italy, though. You look at you look at Klopp's Liverpool in 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 their finest hour. You look at uh, Spalletti's Napoli in their finest hour. You look at City. You know what I mean? These are all super super offensive teams. And you look at Frozenone, and you look at Genoa, and you look at the success these teams are having, man. 
yeah um, it's definitely a trend and it's proven it's proving to be a successful one um yeah Inzaghi did run out of options on the bench he brought on Sanchez and Dumfries to try to cook something up um despite their efforts of course the match ended in a deadlock disappointing both Inter and Juventus hope for different outcomes for the title race of course yeah so bro um let's talk about Arnautovic a little bit so he got a lovely assist Mm-hmm. last week and then this week he scored this goal right yeah um, he scored the goal in the Champions League and that's pretty much it yeah do you think that Inter should bring another striker in in January I mean I'd say yes but they kind of shot themselves in the foot by bringing in Sanchez in addition mm-hmm. to the Arnautovic signing which is obviously the depth that maybe they needed Um but now they're they're struggling in the absence of Lautaro Martinez. I think teams like Milan and Inter are proving that the more choices you have, the better. Because you never know when a plague is going to come about and kill your entire squad. Mm. Um, I think they do need more quality up front other than those two. Because we're seeing Arnautovic and he doesn't have the same approach that Lautaro has, which Lautaro is a massive factor that links the midfield to that attack and allows Turam a lot of freedom up mm-hmm. front to be that that pinpoint kind of striker. When you get Arnautovic, you you lose some legs and, and it's like you've got it's like in, in Milan terms, it's like you've got Jovic and Giroud up front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then Sanchez, I don't really have an opinion because we haven't seen him in so long. We know what he's capable of, but I think he's past it. I don't think I he's think the solution. I think it might be a fitness issue at this point because he's a very good player, and if he's mm. fit, it definitely be getting more minutes. Um, you look at yeah, you look at some situations like this game. They really needed, and they really needed a spark off the bench. Um, and let's not get it twisted. It's not just the the fact that Lautaro was missing. It's the fact that Di Marco was missing. Di Marco is a massive outlet for them. He he can advance the ball from the midfield, get it into the box from literally anywhere mm. on the pitch. Imagine Arnautovic, how much better it'd be with DeMarco on the pitch, yeah. especially yeah. with his Absolutely. aerial threat. In fact, that was most of the struggle. They couldn't get the ball to Arnautovic. Mm-hmm. Um, but his attempts were all on loose balls from deflections or mm. spilled balls, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do think, though, they, they are in dire need of another striker. Because mm. if you look at... It's only going to get harder for Inter. Inter yep. have Champions League games coming. They have Cop- Well, no, they don't have Coppa Italia games. They have Champions League games coming and they're going to be big games because these guys were finalists last year and they're going to want to go far. So far, we've seen them prioritize the league um, and sacrificing literally the top spot in Champions League, finishing second. Mm-hmm. And now they have a tougher run-in. But when these games come in hot and heavy, they're going to have to start resting players in the league. And eventually, when you're resting DiMarco and Arnautovic, are these guys going to cut it? More more often than not, these players have demonstrated that they're good enough to get Inter over the line. Mm-hmm. But will that be the case until the end of the season? You can never tell. We've seen teams at this point with a notable advantage in the table, particularly Milan, winter champions. Mm-hmm. Um, Lazio in the COVID season were, yeah. were doing very well. Um, and then all of a sudden, they hit a poor run of form and they, they throw it away, you know, and they end up winning nothing, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah, so it, it can it, happen, it can especially totally with another competition. And like you're saying, it's a competition where you require your 11 best players. Yeah. Now, there are going to be situations where you're going to have a tough run-in with a European opponent. And then straight after that, you're going to have a, a, a tough run-in with a, with a local opponent. Yeah. 
these are, these are things that that's going to happen. And as the season progresses, now I still think Inter are going to win the league, right? But as the season progresses, there's also going to, even though it's tight, man, even though it's tight, <laughs> there's also going to be uh, teams that are getting better. These teams that are in the relegation zone now, the Salernitanas, the Hellas Veronas, when they're fighting for survival, they're going to be some of the toughest opponents you can face, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, there comes absolutely. a point from match day 30 onwards, everyone's a fucking tough draw, man. Everyone. The mid-table teams are the easiest. You're right. You're right, man. Um, so far, when it comes to Inter's moves in the market, they've brought in Tyon Buchanan from Club Bruges, yep. who seems to operate as a right midfielder or a right defender. I assume he'll be the one replacing Dumfries, who seems to be on his way out. Mm. Um, and Quadrado, who's not really always mm. available. Um, yeah, um, regarding the game, by the way, um, I was very impressed with Stefano Savelli's performance. Yep. Um, he won his duel with Carlos Augusto and pretty much destroyed him all mm-hmm. game. Um, he was always one step ahead of him. No, we saw Inter lose the wing battles in this game, yeah. which isn't something we're typically used to seeing. Because they pressed high, man. They pressed high and um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Di Marco, quite yeah. frankly. yeah. Um, Hakan, I felt, had a bit of an off game He was ineffective at creating He tried to operate right behind the strikers To try to play them through mm. But he, he struggled to do so Yeah, I, I think When a team is struggling because of press The midfielders are obviously going to be the ones that struggle the most Now we've already discussed how Hakan isn't the most press-resistant midfielder mm-hmm. in the league And I think Yet again, that was exposed. Look, if you were to ask me who's been the best defensive midfielder so far this season, it's a no-brainer that it's been Hakan Chalanoglu. But I do think that these past three, four games where he hasn't been banging in penalties, you know, and and, and kind of... Um, it's like the... It's like a cheat code. No scoring all those penalties. It, it, it puts, it puts yeah. your value up so much. I think he has a, still a lot to work on. And I think they are missing Brozovic. They are. No, of course, of course, of course. I don't think that um, Chalanoglu filled the void entirely. I mean, Brozovic was just so complete as a player, man. Mm-hmm. And in that role, man, he left... He le- he had nothing missing, you know. He, yeah. he could do it all. Not to mention his just his toughness and yeah. his industry. They love him in Saudi Arabia. I Have you imagine. seen the boom thing What's that the they boom do? Thing? Bro, they'll, they'll be holding up. So the entire stadium yeah. um, of Al Nasser... They'll be holding up not the Tifos, but around mm. the entire stadium, it's a grenade. And then Brozovic pretends to grab the grenade off his neck. <laughs> he throws it in the air, and they all pull up another Tifo, and it's an explosion. And they all go, BOOM! You're, <laughs> you're joking. I swear to God, it's crazy, but I've done it once for sure. I don't know if it's something they do week in, week out. That's, but there's a there's a viral sick. clip of it, and Ronaldo's looking at him like, wow, like yeah. I kind of want that. He's know? not jealous. You know? I mean, he's got his sue, you know. Yeah, he's got my to sue, you know. Jake and I might go to Madeira with the Gialdems, and if we go to Madeira, I'm gonna spend the entire time suing, man. I'm not Second. gonna stop suing. <laughs> suing. I I show speed, no. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo suing. suing. <laughs> Shout All right, speed. <laughs> yeah, because he needs one. <laughs> um, Genoa this season have held Napoli, Inter, Juve, and destroyed Roma. Not a bad return for them. They are, they have impressed me, and um, their only rough patch, in my opinion, was when they had that injury crisis yeah, that man. really only affected their best players. 
it was uncanny. Mm-hmm. Um, but mind, the, the, these guys have got Tretegui out, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're doing just fine. Well, he's, he's coming back in slowly, but yeah, he was yeah. injured for quite a while. But yeah, Inter are in first place with 45 points, <clears throat> while Genoa find themselves in 12th place with 20 points. Milan won, Sassuolo nil, brother. Milan's mm-hmm. fucking injury crisis has significantly intensified with uh, Fekayo Tomori out injured now, along with Yunus Musa, Malik Chao, Pierre Calulu, Noah Okafor, Marco Pellegrino, Tommaso Pobega, Mattia Caldara and Marco Sportiello, all out of action. Kier was the only fit senior centre-back, starting alongside Theo Hernandez with Florenzi at left-back. Otherwise, to be honest, full strength. Yeah. Other than that much. defensive. Other okay. than that disaster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, despite losing a leg, you're at full strength. <laughs> the Nero Verdi missed Vinya, Defrel, Rakic, and Boloka. But Berardi returned from his injury. However, he was unable to complete 90 minutes. Now, when you look at Milan and Sassuolo's last head to head matches, so before this 1 0 victory, for Milan. Last season, Milan didn't beat Sassuolo. Um, Milan lost 5-2 at home to Sassuolo when um, Tiramisu was in goal. Tatarusado. And they drew 0-0 the time before. The match before that, Milan won 3-0 at the Mape, which is a historic event, no, because Milan won the league over there. And before that, Sassuolo beat Milan 3-1. Because Sassuolo, as we often refer to them, they are Robin Hood. They do like winning against big teams. And let me tell you what, these Milan teams are their favorite teams to play. They love a game against Inter. They love a game against Milan. Keep in mind, Sassuolo are the only team to have beaten Inter this This season. season. True. That's that's quite a claim to fame. Yeah, and they've just lost... Like, they haven't won in, like, five games in a row. And they're the only team that have beaten Inter. They're crazy, man. I can't put a finger on them. Um, Reinders created a few chances for himself in the opening stages of the match, having a crack at goal, dribbling past a few players. You know, it's Reinders' world. It's Reinders' midfield. And we're all just watching and observing. In the 23rd minute, Benasser got close with a strike from just outside the area, hitting the side netting after he beat two players. That's the Benasser I like to see. The Benasser. That that. So he could be Benasser, but he also could be Benasser. And mm. when he has that ball and he's got people pressuring him and he's just fucking fidget spinning around them, that is Benasser, man. I agree. I agree. It's Benasser, Benasser. Benasser. Now he's off to the African Cup He played a brilliant game, reminded us exactly what we were missing, and then he left to Afghan. Exactly. Enjoy, dog. We'll be rooting for Algeria. Come on, Algeria. Will we be? Because there's also Morocco. I don't know. Quite a few. I haven't made my alliance yet. I haven't made my alliance, but Benasser. I like like Algeria. Benasser. In the 33rd minute, Berardi's Tira Aigira was tipped over the bar well by Magic Mike Manian. In the 58th minute, Pulisic got the decisive goal for Milan, finishing off a brilliant through pass by Benasser, which Tresoldi got a touch to. Um, and then Consigli got a touch to the finish as well by Pulisic. You know, not the cleanest, but Milan absolutely needed that and it was a combination of two great actions by two great players. Six goals and four assists for Chrissy P, who only missed two matches due to injury this season. So, uh, you'll, you'll really, this is all my Chelsea fan friends, okay? You'll enjoy him, man. 
until his inevitable four-month injury. Let's let's <laughs> let's relax, bro, because I feel like the news is breaking out like right now uh, <laughs> that, he's, that he just pulled up. You know, um, his injury record is very concerning. You know, but it's just nice to see that in Milan's squad there is an option for that right-hand side. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that Milan didn't have for a very long time, <laughs> since Suso. <laughs> yeah. And Suso was quite one-dimensional as well. It's just crazy how how nowadays it seems that Pulisic, more often than not, is being double-teamed, and Leao not sometimes. You yep. know? Like, that's wild to me. It seems that teams have, have realized that if they, if they defend deep, they defend deep and tight enough, then Leao kind of isn't as effective. Exactly, because he's running into a brick wall yeah. or he's having a crack from distance, which isn't his strongest point. But then in these situations, Pulisic can be very slippery. So yeah. so it's nice to have that outlet as well. And Pulisic is also very refined. Um, he is one of the most well-rounded players Milan have. He has very close ball control. His passing is excellent. His shooting is excellent. Um, he tracks back, man. He's just a, a, a very refined professional. And he's still, what, 24 years of age, man. We forget that. Um, and In so fact, I'm fact-checking that right now. Fact it doesn't it right sound now, right. It, it's absolutely right, brother. Pulisic is 24 years old. Um and he's been he's been 25 25 20, it was just his birthday <laughs> maybe definitely and we Milan signed when he was 24 years old that's wild I promise um I would have guessed he was 26 but let's give him his flowers yeah. six goals four assists this season only two matches out it, it's been a dream start to, to his life in Milan man. absolutely he's been he's exceeded all my expectations to be honest with you mm-hmm now Whilst I give props to the likes of Kier and Florenzi for showcasing their experience in this team, Pulisic for his goal, Jovic for his hold-up play mm-hmm. um, when coming on, there's still naturally a concern with Milan, um, which is this infamous, it's being called the 505 formation. This tactical approach is an absolute disaster. <clears throat> I don't get it. And it rids Milan of any creativity whatsoever. Yeah, I I don't understand um, why this is a thing. I've I I've been noticing it for a while. You have been. You've like, been pulling I've, I've, out your phone and drawing dots for me. This is Milan's formation right now. It's ridiculous because you have literally it's a five zero five is the best way to put it because there's no one in midfield. So it's like the four defenders. You have Benasser right between them. For example, driving or, or Reinders or Kronig should be who it is, whatever, on the day, right? Whoever. And then you have just five men in a straight line up front along the opposition defense. Yeah, We've mentioned this with, on the podcast with the, before. The, with the defensive line up their asses. Like, what exactly. the like, hell How are you going to build up play? Like, what's, what's the plan here, Chief? Like, what are we doing? I don't get like, it. Like, these players that, that are up front can't even win aerial duels. You know what I mean? They're, they're kind of small, you know? Yeah. I mean, Leao doesn't really have the... The girl to to win a, a a duel, you know what I mean? Yeah. Giroud can because he has the size, he has the strength, but he's kind of on the older side as well. And uh, most defenses are tough enough to deal with him. Then you have the likes of like Pulisic, you have Chukwueze. Like these guys aren't going to win you an aerial no. duel, and you put Rinders. your man up like that, and then you insist that you have to <laughs> play the ball down to Giroud to flick off to the to the midfielder to try to. Breaking free, you're essentially wasting the wide players, and then yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. I don't see the logic in it. Um, 
I much preferred Milan's approach in the Coppa Italia personally. Yeah, I think I think so as well. I think so as well. The and the 505 has been this um it's been talked about um in Italian media and now speculation continues about Pioli's position. Um he was told that if he doesn't get maximum points against Sassuolo and Empoli, this is according to reports, if he doesn't mm-hmm. get maximum points against Sassuolo and Empoli, then he's done for, right? And apparently, according to certain sources, there is a replacement lined up, which is not Conte, which is not Dionisi, which is not Thiago Motta, but it's former Frankfurt manager Oliver Glasner, uh, reportedly in talks to replace him. Now, Oliver Glasner... um, his honours are basically runner-up in the DFB Pokal, right? And he won. Bring the, him in. He won the Europa League for Frankfurt in 2021-2022. So it's good to no, see yeah. Milan are focusing <laughs> on the on the Europa League. What do you make of of that? Is sacking Pioli halfway through the season the way to go for no, Milan? No, 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 definitely not. Um, Milan, objectives-wise, are on course. They had the group of death in the Champions League, which many people, okay, didn't quite... People didn't um, rule Milan out by, yeah. by any means, but it, it, it's still the group of death. It's still understandable if you finish third. You know what I mean? It was literally by one decision that favoured PSUG that shouldn't have. That mm. led Milan to being in the Europa League and not in the Champions League. Mm. Um, they're third, despite all their injuries. You know they have missing players. They have no defense. playing without a defense, so they're still they're still um, third in the league and they're still alive in the Coppa Italia and winning with their youngsters over there. Um, the thing is, yes, stru- structurally and tactically, there is a problem yeah. with the team. To say the least, to, to say it's not it's not that bad, and it's not per- pervasive. It's not always there. It's just it's just this weird setup. I don't know why. I don't know how. I, I've never seen it quite work. I, I I don't get it. But he seems to insist on it. Pure. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want Milan to go for a new coach next season. But if you change manager halfway through the season, you better bring in a profile. That's that's permanent. Don't mm. bring in someone because ah, he's the only guy available. Then you're stuck with him. We've seen the Uniteds oh. and 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 other teams do this caretaker manager for for six months. Like United had done it with Ragnik. They had done it, I believe, with Van Gaal. Um, so aha, it's not it's not sustainable. However, it can get an instant reaction out of players. Yes, sure, okay, but but how sustainable is that? You know what I mean? Like, okay, let's say you bring in Abate. Abate goes in, he's like, oh, I've been here. You know, he's <laughs> shouting, riling everyone up. They go out and they score three goals. All right, granted. You think every time Abate shouts, they're gonna get riled up? Yeah, he can shout all he wants out. when Milan are in the derby della mm. Madonnina against Inter. You know what I mean? Or facing Juve or mm. Roma. These are the times. You need someone with experience who has looked after the team. Um, I, I'm in agreement with you there. I say, like, if you're going to line anyone up, line one up for the end of the season. If it gets to a point where <laughs> Milan aren't going to get top four, Milan are falling out of favor for top four, and there are 10 games to go, perhaps hit the panic button and get in a caretaker yeah, manager yeah, yeah, yeah. to try get some motivation out of these players. Because to be honest, it does seem like 
the players aren't willing to die for Pioli like they were a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And if you look at what's going on right now in the table, though Milan are building some distance between themselves and that fifth position, which by the end of the season might still get you a Champions League yeah. place. We haven't even addressed the the growth decree. Oh, that's true. That's so true. there are going to be ba- basically, basically, basically... There are changes in tax laws that are going to affect Italian clubs negatively when it comes to bringing in foreign players. Yeah. Um, this will affect the the number of foreign players that can be found in each team. If you look at the smaller teams right now, so the Hellas Veronas, the Salernitanas, they've got many foreigners mm-hmm. simply because financially it's worth it because they, they um, don't have to pay as much tax on them. Now with this um, thing, with this rule change, essentially this law change, um, Teams are going to have to focus more on their youth development mm-hmm. and actually on, on local talent, on homegrown talent. Yeah, which is great to see that Milan have been doing that, uh, playing Zeroli in this match, mm-hmm. bringing him on. The, it's the almost captain like they're the testing the waters, right? Or really? yeah. Um, yeah. But you look at the, the signings like Mourinho, Lukaku, Zlatan when he came into Milan originally on his salary. Yeah, these, these won't be obviously sustainable. Yeah, anymore. which might be good for the national team, but for our Serie A, it it, it might take another dip in quality just when yeah. it was getting back to the, the Serie A we all know and love. Yeah, of course, um, presidents and um, spokespersons for clubs are freaking out. They're yeah. calling it a terrible thing to happen. Like Italian football already struggles financially to compete with the rest yeah. of the world, and <laughs> and this was one of the only good things going for the Italian mm. league. But yeah, it's January. So Milan have brought in Gabbia. It's been confirmed that that Gabbia is a is a Milan player once again, uh, filling in for all the centre back injuries that Milan have right now. Um, although Theo left centre back, Jimenez left back isn't looking like a like a terrible shout in today's day and age. Um, but where do you think Milan should prioritise? Because Jovic has been on fire to a ridiculous level. He's been mm-hmm. excellent. Um, his technique, his finishing, his presence, I feel like he's being allowed to operate closer to the midfield, which allows him to dictate where he wants the play to go. And since he's a striker who knows where he wants the ball in the final third, he could set himself up nicely over there. And you see with Manian's long balls to him, with the clearances that fall to Jovic, his touch, he had two in this game, bro. It's ridiculous. Insane. Ridiculous. Yes, yes, yes. Do you think Milan should still bring in another striker? Absolutely. Yes, I, I think so, 100%. Um, if you look at the profiles right now, natural number nines, you've got two. Mm-hmm. One of them is Jovic, who's only started playing well recently. Granted, he set up a patch of fine form. Yeah. And let's not forget, though, how he started and what his worst case can be. Absolutely yeah. invisible, right? Yeah, let's yeah. not forget that because it would be foolish to forget mm-hmm. that. Um, Andrew, on the other hand, who's an injury away from the end of his career, unfortunately, as harsh as it sounds, he's at the age now where a serious injury will finish him. Yeah. And you look look around Giroud. Look around him. Everyone's... Dropped already. Everyone's already suffered yeah. an injury. Yeah, Okafor, who's yeah. another contender for that so, uh, number nine role. So if you're taking part in three competitions, Jovic and Giroud definitely aren't enough. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. Definitely not. And then you say, okay, because Okafor can play as a nine, can he though? Mm. Can he? Is it? Is it really ideal? 
to have Okafor as a makeshift nine, why not bring in a natural nine when in reality, you know, Milan have wingers. It's yeah. not the end of the world. Milan's wingers are fine, you know, even if you have to really dip into the depth of the squad and look at Luca Romero, you look at the likes of Chaka Traore, they, 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 can, they can put in a shift. But when it comes mm. to the strikers, the third one in line after Okafor as a natural striker is fucking Kamarda, man. Yeah. And he's 15 years old. Like, yeah. no, you need to bring in a striker. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, however, a lot of emphasis needs to go into that centre-back position. I think Milan yes. still need to make another signing um, in that centre-back role. And not, not to mention... Now, Chukweze is off to the African Cup of Nations, and so is Benasse. Mm-hmm. Now, Chukweze, Milan can make do without, even though he's great for rotation, but with Pulisic and with the two gentlemen that you mentioned earlier, yeah, even with Okafor coming back, mm-hmm. um, and, and obviously Romero and Chakatraore, they, they could do something. Um, but when it comes to the loss of Benasse in the midfield, how are Milan going to line up? Because Krunic fell, fell out of favour and he's probably off to the Turkish league. Um, Adli looked incredible uh, mm. midweek against Cagliari. So he might be a solution. But do you think th- there's Musa as well, obviously, mm. a- alongside Loftus-Cheek and I mean, and a would be nice as well. I don't think it's the most pressing thing. Um, I think the striker situation and the centre-back situations need to be addressed first. Um, ideally, you know, you bring one of each one, but yeah. let's, let's be real, like, we're not playing PlayStation over yeah. there. <laughs> Some manager mode. Yeah. Um, hopefully, Algeria get knocked out as early as possible, yeah. right? Bring, bring Benazir back. <laughs> yeah, fuck rooting for Algeria, come to think of it. Um, just two more points before we move on. Um, Leao said that he idolizes Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Right, and he said, uh, "My numbers aren't as good, though. I just need to be a little bit more selfish." Respect to Leao because he's he's still the star for Milan, even with Pulisic. I I do believe that Leao is still the star. I think he's having a bit of a dip Absolutely, after yes, after yes. an injury. He's a quality player. He's loved by the fans. He's loved by the squad. He's somewhat of a father figure in a weird way for a lot yeah. of these young players as well. You see the way yeah. he hugged Chaka after his goal. Amazing. Um, but Leao, <laughs> we're watching you and we have eyes, yeah. and we see that maybe you have been trying to be a little bit more selfish recently. Yeah, you've been trying to score goals that you've never scored before in your life, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, we see that as well. Yeah, the long range <laughs> shots, the the fucking excessive dribbling at times, which the excessive dribbling I can't fault I can, him for. I, you know, yeah. we can get over that. He's he's very good at it, mm. and that's that's what he does. You know, but the long range shooting I can never defend. It's it's not like he's fucking hammering them in like Malinowski. You know, yeah, his long range shooting isn't great. He should stop doing that. And mm-hmm. if he's claiming that he isn't selfish, then maybe he should act a little yeah. bit lesser. But I do. There is an element of truth to his game. Because he takes the ball to the byline exactly, and, and when it comes it to his expected goals and his expected assists compared to some of the other big wingers in the league, um, you, you'll notice an interesting observation: um, the fact that Leao doesn't even appear in the expected goals argument, mm. whereas um, the likes of Gvaratskhelia, for example, are all over it. Let me try to find the statistic. This one is one. It's a tweet by Saturnion, okay, on, on Twitter. He says, Leao is simply not a goal-scoring winger. In Serie A right now, Guevara takes the most shots per game, while Leao is not even in the top 50. 
Chiesa and Guevara, both top 5 and big missed chances, Leao not even in top 50. Meanwhile, Leao has the most big chances created and most expected assists, while the other two are not even in the top 10. Yet, they all have around the same goals and assists. Leao needs to get more selfish to level up, is what this guy said. Um, It's a very interesting point. But, like, he, he doesn't find himself in those positions because he typically plays to his strengths, or at least he's advised to play to his strengths, and his strengths mm-hmm. are out wide. Yeah. He started off his career at Milan as a striker, and, and, and I'm sorry, but that is not his position. No, no, and I, I we've seen him when it was 3-4-3, and he was playing closer to Giroud up front, and I'm sorry, that's not his position either. He needs to be as wide as possible. Yeah, He can break in, he can play, play, a, play a square ball, he could go for goal sometimes, sure, but from outside the box, I, I, do, I don't want to be seeing any of any of that. Until one goes in, I do think his shooting is improving, but still a lot more work to be done. Yeah. One more point. Um, Sassuolo, who haven't won a game in five matches, yet are the only team to have beaten Inter this year. They are going through a significantly dry spell. There are talks about them getting relegated this year. I know it's a stretch, but that is the reality they currently find themselves in halfway through the season should Dionisi be out like yes, now yes, like now no 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 get him out like um <clears throat> they're two they're, points ahead of Cagliari in 18th they're terrible they're, they're the side who conceded the second most goals in the league they um, have the second most losses in the league yeah alongside no, Verona alongside Cagliari and alongside Salernitana with 10 and have 11 I think Dionisi's time is up. I think they need a change of manager to simply motivate these guys enough to for survival because there seems to be a lack of unity as well in the Sassuolo team. I don't know if it's because many of these guys are young or new, um, but you look at, for example, Cagliari, even, even Salernitana, and you look at Frosinone and Udinese, there's a sense of they're a team. Yeah, They're a team. They fight for each other. They sweat for each other. They bleed for each other. Sassuolo don't have that this season. They don't have that at all. They don't have the unity. They're, they're, it's not working for them. It's not working for them at all. Individual errors are absolutely destroying them. It's true to a certain point. Um, it is harsh, a harsh look on Dionisi, and perhaps it's unfair to judge from base on the fact that every single game, it seems like one of his players lets him down. Yeah. But that's the harsh reality of football. It's, these, it's other people who get you fired. Exactly. You know, a player makes a mistake, the manager gets fired. Exactly. No, yeah. and and that's it in, in business everywhere, not just not just football. As a manager, supervisor, yeah. you are responsible for what the people under you are doing, no? And if they're not up to par, then why are you fielding them? If you don't have any other options, why aren't you getting in any other any other options? Mm-hmm. Um, but he insists on bringing in players like Castillejo, which just is mind-boggling. Um Milan in third on 36 points, just three ahead of Fiorentina, and they are seven behind Juve in second. Uh, Sassuolo in 16th, only two points from 18th placed Cagliari. Napoli took on Monza, and they came nil-nil, bro. Um, Mm -hmm. The approach to the game from Mazzari involved a tactical change where he opted for Zerbin over Politano. Paladino, on the other hand, addressed Monza's defensive crisis by lining up with Caldirola, Gagliardini and D'Ambrosio at the back. The only natural centre-back of the three, obviously, being Caldirola. We've seen this with quite a few teams. Milan, Atalanta, Monza, um, they've all had defensive yeah. disasters. Yeah. yeah. 
The first half was quite a gorgeous half. Both sides seemed to avoid defensive lapses more than anything mm-hmm. else. Um, notable chances were, of course, few and far between until the 40th minute when Mario Rui found Anguissa in the box with a beautiful cross. Um, but the Cameroonian's volley was weird, to say the least. Um, it's like he really wanted to take it on his favorite foot, so he shifted his body um, to try to hit it with his favorite foot. Um, but Di Gregorio saved it pretty comfortably, to, bo- mm. to be honest, running out and just making himself big in front of him. This was a big miss by yeah. Anguissa. Towards the end of the half, um, Gvaratskelia attempted a solo effort, narrowly missing the target. Um, he does so well to get there, can't yeah, quite cut it at the end at, at mm-hmm. the moment. The second half started with Gvaratskelia again missing an excellent opportunity to put Napoli ahead early on. Um, the second half. The tempo increased as Berendelli replaced Pereira for months at halftime, and Berendelli ran down the left. And he actually won a penalty after he found Colpani, and his shot struck Mario Rui's arm. Pessina stepped up to take the penalty, but his slow run-up and the whistles in the Maradona um, resulted in a weak attempt, which was easily saved by Meret, who was quick to mock Pessina by doing the, the Luca Toni celebration, essentially, basically saying, this guy's crazy. You know, this guy's crazy for the slow run-up and trying to slot it. Yeah, because Meret's good from the spot. I, I really thought Pessina yeah. would try to nail that. It was a yeah. weird approach. Sometimes you just have to fucking... So that's why I like Ronaldo's penalties, man. Exactly. You know, Ronaldo's never going to pass it exactly. slowly. He's always going to rifle it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's the only way you should approach penalties, in my opinion. I think so. Because uh, even if you get a touch on it, you know, it's either going to deflect out and, and you get a tap-in or it's going to hit the keeper and go and find its way into the uh-huh. back of the net. I just think that powerful penalties are the way to go. Yeah. Napoli tried to respond with Di Lorenzo testing Di Gregorio and Zerbin squandering a great chance created by Guevara. Tempers flared eventually. Um, there was a bit of a fight between Bondo and Guevara. Um, you know, Bondo went in hard on Guevara. They got up, they started pushing each other. Out of nowhere, Mazzari goes in, you know, gets a red card. <laughs> After that, Paladino gets a red card as well. Um, it was all crazy by the end of the game. Um, he tried to bring in Simeone, Mazzari at the end, well not, he tried to bring him in, he brought him in, um, Di Gregorio had a crucial save on Gaetano, and the match ended in a goalless draw, so Napoli are actually creating quite a lot, bro. Uh, it, it's just the, the wasteful nature in which they're playing, yes. obviously they had um, Osiman out due to his red card against Roma in mm-hmm. this game, so they started with, with Raspadori up front. They also had Zerbin to his side and not mm. Politano, who we, we all know what his left foot is like. Not other than that, because even with Osimen and, and Politano, we have seen them being a bit more wasteful mm-hmm. this season, which has a lot to do with Guevara's confidence in the final oh, it's, third. It's just the whole team's confidence, bro. And this was the point I was going to make. So you look at this game, for example, 19 shots, 58% ball possession, Nine shots on target, like, come on, you don't score a single goal. That's obviously a psychological issue. Yeah. And Napoli's issue is purely psychological. They lost Spalletti, who, apart from other than being a great manager, he's a great man and a great leader. Yeah. Right? Spalletti. Um, he won the league with them, giving, you know, lifting them to another level, mm. ascending the team, taking the team up to fucking European status. Everyone talking about them as a dark horse for the Champions League. They were... Brilliant. Everyone loved watching them. He was sacked. Garcia was he brought in. Sacked. Uh, he wasn't sacked. Okay, but Spalletti. Spalletti, yeah. He left. Uh, he left. Okay, but he 
he was allowed to leave. Let's say yeah. that you know, um, he, he didn't. Uh, ADL didn't fight for him. Uh huh. Yeah, he one person ADL fought for, <laughs> other than himself. Um, he was replaced by Garcia, bro, who, who is the opposite of Spalletti. Garcia is okay. Granted, they both play a four-three-three, mm. but Garcia is a cold figure. Garcia yeah. is not like a, an arm around the shoulder yeah. kind of manager. He doesn't. Get, he's quite distant from the players. Mm-hmm. And they, he's not they, in the trenches yeah, with the players. Exactly. And they had this guy for six months, dude. And then Mazzari came in, who hasn't had time to really implement his ideal system. And it's not like Napoli have been terrible. You know, they've just been super wasteful and they clearly lack confidence because they've gone through so many changes. And not to mention as well, Kim Minjie is a big factor yeah, as well. Yeah. I think a, a big factor to maybe the wasteful nature of Napoli, at least in this game, was a certain Michele Di Gregorio who got oh, nine saves. God. Goals prevented 1.7 <laughs> over here. I, I mean, just definitely the best goalkeeper in the league so far so this far season. So far this season, he's been the best by far. Absolutely. And even with that mistake that he made um, playing the ball. Ah, when, when Mari fucking exactly. g- gave him the ball and closed the door. Like, like that was his only mistake. And he's been, he's been super, you know, the new Vicario. Yeah. Yeah, very different kind of, you know, Vicario is a very small acrobatic keeper who, by the way, I'm so glad he's doing insanely for Spurs. You look at some highlights, like even they conceded four recently Spurs and Vicario, if it weren't for him, (laughs) they would have conceded seven, bro. The saves that guy pulls off. Di Gregorio, he's so big and he's so like dominant, like a traditional goalkeeper that Probably when you're in front of you, you're like, where the fuck am I going to shoot yeah, this ball? Yeah. Like, how am I going to beat this guy? And then guy? he's really nimble on top of it all. Yeah. He's really agile. Yeah. yeah. What a keeper, man. What a keeper. He's, he's lovely. He's a really good man. Um, yeah. But other than that, I feel like this this should have been a victory for, for Napoli. And funnily enough, it could have easily been a victory for Monza if yeah. the approach to the penalty was a bit better. Um, I do think that the whistles played a big part, huh? I think they threw him off. They were so loud. Yeah, because Pessina, it didn't seem like he was dead set on taking this this tricky, soft penalty like the Jorginho ones or something like mm. that. But it almost seemed like he was kind of caught in between two minds because mm-hmm. it's not like he committed to the full technique. You know what I mean? It was just a, a shit penalty. And he got me at two on Fanta, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and Mered got me at 12. It was crazy. I'm like, wow. what the hell do I do? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I, I think that he, he reacted negatively so quickly as well that maybe it's true he did get in his own head about it. Yeah, I think I think so. I th- and just uh, a few weeks ago, I said I like this new role that Pessina is playing because he's not too refined in front of goal and, and his leadership qualities are really coming through and his work <laughs> ethic. And Chesco had disagreed with me. Well, guess what? Chesco, you yeah. know, the proof he, is he in put the pudding. Him in, of, in front of goal and he literally missed it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, yeah, um, Napoli are currently in eighth, actually, with 28 points. Madonna. Uh, this is a terrible, terrible fall from grace for them, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Fiorentina, Bologna, Atalanta and Roma all ahead of them. While, on the other hand, Monza are in 11th with 22 points. They've hit a bit of a rough patch as well, Monza. I'm mm. sure they'll be back, though. I think so. I think both teams probably will be back. Just concerning, especially Napoli. To see that dip from one season to the next. Yeah. Udinese 3, Bologna 0. Could you believe that result when you no, saw it? No, and I couldn't believe the possession stats either. I believe it was a, a Maltese politician that in, in the European Parliament, he once had this really brave saying, What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? 
And that's exactly what I had to say about this result. I mean, the Rosso Blue needed a victory to hold on to fourth place. They, they missed Dan and Doy, um, Adama Sao Mauro, and Jesper Carlsen. Um, and then coming off back to back draws with Torino and Sassuolo, Udinese's injury list remained extensive, including Ezebue, Delefeu, Bijol, Ebosses, Emura, Pafundi, Semedo, and Brenner. Uh, Silvestri was dropped in favour of Nigeria International, Maduka Okoye making his Serie A debut. Like, with, with AFCON coming up, all the bros are featuring, like, you know what I mean? Chukweza yeah. played of 96 course, minutes played yesterday. It's like, minutes come on, cup. sprain your ankle, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so unfair. Instead of yeah. protecting them so they can go and have a good hey, tournament, hey. you make them play 90 minutes. But, um, oh, oh my <laughs> god, so we're watching the Coppa Italia and Roma are really threatening against Cremonese yeah. right now. They just smacked the crossbar. Also, Atalanta did win, so yeah, it is Milan, Atalanta, and in, in the quarterfinals. Uh, it was 3 0 for Atalanta. Maranchuk eventually got the third, so that's one save by the keeper, and then off the, crossbar off the crossbar, off the, off line. the line. Damn, wow. Crazy! We, oh, I wish, I wish we had the time to record two, three episodes a week, man. Hey, man. But yeah, let's get into the play-by-play. Uh, in the opening stages, Skorupski was left with a bloody nose after a heavy collision with his teammate Lewis Ferguson. Um, nonetheless, the goalkeeper made a great double save on Festia Bosele and the Camara follow-up as well, just showcasing the quality that this keeper has. We forget um, that I'm really glad this season that he has a, a good team ahead of him. Skorupski, because he is a top, top he's goalkeeper. Good, good. Um, Udinese opened the scoring on the resulting corner, where Skorupski pulled off a great save to deny Pajero, who struck the ball from outside the area first time, uh, but could do nothing about the Pereira rebound. In the 47th minute, just in the beginning of the second half, Lovric's shot was guided into the back of the net by Luka to make it 2-0. Initially, I didn't think Luka... I thought it just deflected off Luka and went in, but Luka did great to stay on side. And in a man. split second, he really guided the ball well. It's not that easy, man. Of course. And all he technically did was just angle his body so that the ball can hit him and literally deflect off of him. It was yeah. a matter of, of physics, that goal. He exactly. didn't even move his leg, like, you know. Exactly. Very, very intelligent play by Luka. So if you need physics private lessons, Lorenzo, Lorenzo Luka. Luka. Yes, yeah. Mr. Luka. In the 52nd minute, Christensen's looping cross fell perfectly to Pajero, who smashed in a first-time volley. It was very central, but little that Skorupski could do about it, because, you know, you blink and the ball's in the in the back of the net. Motta made a quadruple change and shifted to a three at the back. He brought on Lukumi, Abisher, Fabian and Orsolini for Posh, Moro, Christensen and Salemakers to try to, you know, Get yeah. a bit more offensive and a bit more direct, um, but to no avail. And frustrations were flying towards the end for Bologna. And I have no idea how Xerxes didn't receive a second yellow card for his follow through on Pajero in the closing stages of the match because it was a high foot. It was late, brother. If that's not a red card, like, and and he was already on a yellow, so all he had to do was brandish a yellow card. But for some reason, um. He didn't. Uh, Udinese 3, Bologna 0 was the final result. Now, Udinese have only two victories this season, and they came against Milan and Bologna. <laughs> the very informed Bologna. Wow. Yeah, um, I think Udinese are a tough nut to crack. Um, 
But I think they shocked Bologna over here. Absolutely, I think they, they, they pressed them high. They didn't give them any space. They are physically superior to mm-hmm. most teams, as we as we often highlight that they're just big, powerful, and fast. Yep. Um, they're also quite technical. They've got the likes of Pereira and Luca, who are very technical, and Lovrich as well isn't bad with the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like they just overwhelmed Bologna, absolutely overwhelmed them, and, and they they stunned them with each and every goal. And then there was almost no reaction by the time they were two 0 down. I think Bologna had already considered the game to be over. And you look at the stats; it's just a, a manager's dream for mm. for Udinese and the manager's nightmare for Bologna. Because you look at the expected goals they have one apiece. Ball possession is twenty seven percent for Udinese. Yeah. Are you mad? You know. And then with seventy quite early. Yeah, which, uh, of course, then they're like, have the ball, no problem. Exactly. Good luck penetrating. Us, exactly. we're impenetrable. We've drawn the most games this season exactly. out of everyone. Like, yeah. you know, like, you're not scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, 73 ball p- percent ball possession with only five shots on target for, for Bologna. Yeah, they, man. They were forced out, man. They couldn't, they couldn't penetrate. Yeah, they, they didn't let um, Bologna play the football that they wanted to play simply because, like you said, they stunned them. The, the amount of... Um, and you look at their lineup. Does that look like an offensive team to you? No, but fucking hell were they offensive in this game. They were direct. They were ruthless. They were offensive. And it's just interesting because... Udinese have struggled so much to win games this season mm-hmm. because their offensive output is weak, especially without a player like Gerard Delafoe. And keep in mind, they lost Beto in summer. Of you know course, what I mean? Yeah. Who was the next big thing for them? Who would at least get you eight goals in a season, which is massive Hot for a team. Take, they've upgraded. With Lorenzo Luca. Yes. I mean, come on, but uh, he, he had two, two, three seasons better where he was decent. Absolutely decent um, at most. I think that Luca will probably hit the numbers. Yeah, it's too early Beto. to say, I think. But 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 uh, what's what's um, his best season, Beto, for Udinese? I highly doubt he has way more than 10 goals because he mm. always scores in phases, either at the beginning of the season or as he often does towards yeah, the end of the season. Yeah, and then he goes quiet. The, he goes there's quiet. nine he games where he doesn't score. Beto was good because he was... Again, powerful, he was quick, and he could absolutely physically destroy his opponents mm-hmm. and then just rifle it into the top of the net. Mm-hmm. Luca offers way more than that, man. Luca's technique, Luca's touch, mm-hmm. Luca's... The way he sees the game, the way he reads the game, for me, I'd, I'd much rather have Lorenzo Luca than Beto. It depends totally on the style of the team, because Udinese, who are a pragmatic team, they need someone who could... Fucking like like Delafoe or Beto yeah, yeah, yeah. who could just charge. But then they've forward. got those wingers, man. They're rapid. The the wingers are rapid. The wingers are my god. Bro. If there's something, they're rapid. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? They're very 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 quick. So Luca stylistically could prove to be. If the team plays a bit more for Lorenzo Luca, then then I agree with you because yeah. he's so technically gifted. He's so big. His control is so good, and his finishing is decent as well. He's a he's a smart striker. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, that, that's how essentially Udinese just blew Bologna out of the water. Um, a special, special shout out goes to Pajero for his influence in this game. I feel like ever since that stupid red card that he got, um, he's really upgraded. He he was having it from distance and he's got a good shot in him. Um, he had, uh, I'm not sure how many touches he had, but he was very, very, very involved, involved in this game, involved. man. And it's also the defensive solidarity. Like, you look at a team, man, that are so hard to penetrate. Like, Odinez have been struggling so much this season 
to like I was saying to win games because of their their lack of offensive output. This is where I was going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but their defense, on the other hand, is a okay, bro. It's solid. It's a okay. Like they've only lost five games. Context: Fiorentina lost five games. You know what yeah. I mean? They only lost five games. They won two, which is dreadful. Yeah. Obviously, they've lost more than they've won. That eleven draws, bro. That's why eleven draws is absolutely crazy. Like the a couple of been... good wins could really change the season for Udinese, and true. this is one of them. This is one great win. Like the ownership must be looking down at the manager and thinking, "How should I even perceive this?" <laughs> like eleven draws, eleven draws, all right. Five five defeats, good. Eleven draws. Mm. Good and bad, two wins, bad. Like what mm. the hell, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, by the way, I just googled um, the Beto's highest scoring season for Udinese. Mm. He scored eleven goals. Okay, so he had two back-to-back seasons where he did um, in 2022 ten goals, in 2021 eleven goals. Right. Mm-hmm. Lorenzo Luca halfway through the season is on six goals. So if he actually does continue scoring, he can pretty much output-wise. Replace. Yeah, it, it just he, he just needs to be more consistent than Beto, eh? yeah, because if he's more it, consistent, it, then then certainly. But I still think it's obviously a bit too early it's, to tell. Yeah, yeah. and he's young, eh, Luca. I yeah, mean, not very young, but in Italian terms, he's young. <laughs> now it's easy to look at this game, see Bologna concede the three goals, and say what's the matter with Bologna's defense. But do keep in mind that this is this, this has been a sturdy defense for one of the best for, for the whole yeah for 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 the entire season. I don't think this was a matter of their defense, but I think it all happened so quickly with they um, with conceding early on in the game, and then in the forty seventh and the fifty second, Bologna crumbled. The entire team crumbled. I don't think it was the defense. I don't think it was an individual in particular. I think just Bologna were outworked by Udinese, man. Yeah, yeah, and they were they were shocked to to oblivion by them as well. Um, interesting to see Cremonese have taken the lead um, against Roma over here in the thirty seventh minute. Saju, baby, Saju. remember you raving about Saju? I had predicted that he'd be picked up. It'd be one of those that's picked up. But nice mm. to see that he's scoring still. Yeah, um, he's a good player, former Milan youth product. Um, I remember him being an agile. Winger type of player, and now he yeah. plays as a number nine, which is interesting. Uh, what puberty does to you? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Bologna, fifth place on thirty-one points, now two points behind Fiorentina, um, who have Champions League football at the moment, naturally. Whilst Udinese are in fifteenth place on seventeen points, just three points ahead of Cagliari in eighteenth. Fiorentina, bro, played Torino at home, mm-hmm. and they beat them one. Good day. game, good Torino game. were by far the better team. I think I think Torino were very good, yeah, but were. Fiorentina, bit of a Juve. Yes, absolutely, and that's that's a point that we will be. Did I just on screw to. up your talking yeah, points? Yeah, you absolutely <laughs> fuck. Like we can, we're done. Like that, that's it. That's the game. <laughs> Fiorentina in fourth. Yeah. So Kwame was on the left, Giorco was on the right, Milinkovic and Ranieri were at the back together. Arthur and Duncan were in the midfield. Um, for Torino, it was pretty much the usual lineup with one interesting tweak. Um, Pietro Pellegri was playing off the shoulder of Duvan Zapata. Weird. Weird, yeah. Um, and it all started 
with Torino taking control. They displayed a dynamic and well-structured style, particularly down the right-hand side with Bellanova, who has been very, very impressive. And to be honest, if he had kept this form up or if he had even shown this type of quality with Inter, um, they would have probably kept him. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Fiorentino couldn't Fiorentino. Fiorentina couldn't find their rhythm with Arthur and Bonaventura really struggling in the first half. Um Torino had sev- several chances, notably a strong header by Zapata, one of those headers where he pulled his neck so fucking far back and just whacked it, you know what I mean? Brilliantly saved by Terracciano, and I feel like Terracciano is most definitely the most underrated goalkeeper in the league. Uh, definitely. We didn't even speak about him potentially being called up for Italy last hey, time. Hey, exactly. And, and like, he's a contender, you know what of I course, mean? Of he's, course, he's brilliant, man. A shot stopping, not, not many... Goalkeepers are better than him. Mm-hmm. Um, Lazaro had an attempt. He was also denied by Terracciano's acrobatics. Um, they Torino ended the half, um, leading the chances board 4-1 to Fiorentina. So they had four chances. Fiorentina only had one. Mm. Um, but they failed to capitalize and it would eventually prove to be um, fatal for them. Yeah. The second half saw a rejuvenated Fiorentina. Um, Italiano probably fucking gave them a piece of his mind uh, yeah. at halftime, you know. I wouldn't like to be part of the Fiorentina team at halftime or disappointing, and there's Italiano as the coach. Italiano's a, a bit of an angry coaching kind of style kind of guy. Jake, you know? bold Italian managers are all nuts. <laughs> Prove me wrong, man. But I mean, you remember Brocky? Brocky's kind of bald. No, but Brocky would count as Brocky had that fucking Never mind. back You're... in the day. Yes, and then he had that whole gelled back look. I was going to say, Brocky's first game was screaming at the players, remember, in the cup? Yeah. That was hilarious. No, bald Italian managers right, are man. mental, man. You're right. Um, and Italiano's definitely a crazy type. Um, you see him after the game, you know, fucking riling yeah. up the fans. It's hilarious. Conte has a hair transplant. He's crazy. You're like. right. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Um, Fiorentina increased their tempo and they tried to attempt to break through Torino's defense. Juric um, introduced Sanabria and Linetti for some fresh legs. Italiano responded by bringing in Inzola and Mandragora. Fiorentina dictated the game in the second half. They struggled to trouble Vanya Milinkovic Savage until the 83rd minute when Ranieri emerged as a hero for Fiorentina. Rising above Voivoda to head home across from Coyote, who the ever impressive Italian young right back Coyote. Michael Coyote, man. Whipped in a lovely ball over there, securing the three points for Fiorentina. Um, Ranieri, bro, <clears throat> has scored three continental goals this season, mm. but this is his first ever Serie A goal for wow. Fiorentina. Wow. Wow. Congratulation and celebration. Yes, yes, he did very well to take that goal and he emerged as a hero over here, very happy for him. Mm-hmm. But yes, you, your point stands, bro. Fiorentina have kind of become this Juve type of team where they they know how to suffer without conceding yeah. lately and they always seem to get that winning goal. And it comes through different avenues. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I mean... You have to adapt, and that's exactly what Fiorentina did. How could you keep on being this offensive unit of a team, which they were a couple of seasons ago, when, unfortunately, you don't have the players that could give you that output? Absolutely. Like, I I, I believe Bonaventura is their top scorer this yes, season. Yes, yes, Inzola has been struggling. Beltran, I think he got two, three goals now. Um, 
So it's 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 tough to be an offensive side when you don't have someone to get you that finishing touch. So fuck it. Let's be pragmatic. Let's I, be a bit more defensive. I can't help but feel that they have never got their striking situation right. I think Beltran is the closest. They mm-hmm. um, they've come to getting it right, but um, Jovic, the way he was deployed, made him look like a bad player. And I was out here literally saying that Jovic doesn't seem to have anything going for him as a number nine, simply because they would play him hugging the defensive line yeah. and trying to feed him like a target man. Yeah. That's not how you fucking use no. Jovic. Jovic needs to drop deep, collect the ball, and build up. Exactly. He was wasted at Fiorentina. He wasn't deployed like that at all. Um, in Zola, on the other hand, is a counter-attacking demon who, who will literally just hold up the play and wait for teammates to arrive and play it to them. That's mm. what he excels at. He was good at Spezia for that reason. He'll get the ball at the halfway line, turn, run at goal, hold up, play it to the wingers. You know, he was very good in those situations. They need someone who fucking who scores goals. They need an actual finisher. They need a fox in the box. That's what yeah. they need. That's the type of striker they need with this system. With the amount of creativity that, yeah. that this player is going to have around him. Think of when Nico is fit, when they've got Sotil on the other side, Bonaventura just behind them. They want some more firepower. They could bring on Kwame. They could bring on Jorko Ekone. Lorenzo Luca, bro. Imagine oh, Lorenzo Luca. Imagine him. Imagine him with his technique, his goal prowess, his intelligence, his ability to move. He would be amazing over there, I think. Especially with the tax laws changing. They want yeah, to look yeah. local, shop yeah. local. Absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, Terracciano, brilliant. Um, mm. Ranieri scored the goal. Mm. I'd, I'd like to just highlight Michael Coyote a little bit. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't think we do it enough kind of thing. 19 years old. 19 years old. And he's playing like he's been playing in Serie A for a while. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's his first season. Yes, he has 11 appearances, bro. He's played 915 minutes so far. And he hasn't really looked out of place at all. No, no. And they they just signed Parisi. You know what I mean? They were were trying him out as as a right back. Like, in come Michael Coyote. And they've never looked back since. Since playing him that first time, they haven't looked back. Absolutely, absolutely. Bro, um, I think we can move on from this one. Torino's usual problems in front of goal. They're such an organized side. They're such a nice team, but they really struggle to get goals, basically. Um, Regarding the standings, um, (laughs) Torino find themselves in 10th with 24 points, while Fiorentina are up in 4th with 33 points. Dude. Dude. Who's they crept up on us, huh, Fiorentina? They crept up on us out of nowhere completely. So first it was Bologna who crept up mm. on us, like, jumped into fourth place. And now all of a sudden it's Fiorentina. Um, and to be honest, it's all about how they look mm. week by week. Because, because the, last week I was convinced that Bologna looked so much better. Mm. You know? it's, it's consistency is yeah. key, brother. And this is Absolutely. a team that... And fitness and health and prosperity. Yes. Cheers to that. Inshallah. Inshallah. Um... But there's also a team that has great European experience together, making the the Conference League final yes. together. They made the Coppa Italia final together. There's a real sense of unity over there. So even if they're having a dry spell, lest we forget, they are a team. Yeah, and they're a team that wins more than, than Bologna do. 
Um, Bologna have seven draws, for example, while Fiorentina have three draws. Fiorentina have ten wins, Bologna eight wins. Um, then Bologna don't lose, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Three losses for them, and then Fiorentina have five losses. Two points separating them. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Very Same exciting. amount of losses as Udinese. Atalanta lurking, of course. Roma and Napoli lurking. Fifth spot might get you Champions League. <laughs> Fucking exciting. This is Serie Spotlight. Atalanta won Lecce Nil. Speaking of Atalanta, you mentioned them, so I'm going to use that as a segue. Nice. Bouncing off each other. Yes, Atalanta defeated Lecce with the score of 1-0. Atalanta secured their third consecutive home victory, propelling them into the Europa League zone. Toloi, Palomino, Hatteber and El Bilal Traor, El, sorry, El Bilal Toure uh, were still out of action. Scalvini pulled out in the warm-up, replaced by Mario Pasalic with Derun dropping into defense. I think this is the first time in a while that I've said Derun and not Derun. So let's, let's, let's just track back, all right? Derun dropped wrong. into defense. Lamek Banda and Marin Pongracic sat out bans for Lecce with Pontus Angvist, Nicolas Ansone and Castro Dermaku out injured. Now the first half saw Lecce managing to keep Atalanta at bay despite the home team's attempts to break through. Atalanta controlled possession but Lecce's defence with several key players missing held firm. We know the approach that Lecce can take, how they can disrupt, how they can sit back and be this brick wall for you. Lecce are the kind of team to make Rafael Leao seem like he's not good at football. (laughs) In the second half, Atalanta continued to search for an opening and they got very, very close through Pasalic, who, from a very tight angle, rattled the woodwork with an absolute bullet. Now, that would have been our goal of the week without a shadow of a doubt, but unfortunately for Pasalic, that, that was not the case. In the 58th minute, our goal of the week apparently took place. Just moments after Pasalic's attempt, Lukman received an assist from Pasalic and managed to score with a well-placed low shot from outside the area after making quick work of the defender, giving Atalanta a crucial 1-0 lead. Skamaka missed a couple of opportunities. It was quite a frustrating night for Skamaka and then, in fact, he was brought off for the inform Muriel. Now... It was a one lead for Atalanta. Cometh the 89th minute, in the dying minutes of the match, Lecce had a golden opportunity to equalise when Udon's first-time strike from 12 yards out was brilliantly saved by Karnesecki. Mm. Karnesecki isn't known to be a solid goalkeeper just yet. He has moments of brilliance, he has moments of clumsiness, but, but he's a very, very promising young goalkeeper for Italy. Mm-hmm. This save was magnificent and he sealed the victory at the entire team celebrating with him. What yeah. a save it was by Karnasecki. You, w- you wouldn't guess that he's 23 years old. You know, that's no. so young again for a goalkeeper. Yeah, it was a great experience he got with Cremonese last season, starting game in, game out after Radu fell out of favour. Mm-hmm. Um, and Karnasecki simply, he, he, he is now a very good goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, So I want to highlight a couple of things regarding Atalanta, who are now on fine form. You know, they beat Milan, now they beat Lecce. Um, They're doing well, Atalanta. Um, 
Lukman is pivotal in this, their top scorer with 7 goals and 3 assists and he seems to get goals when no one else is getting oh, goals. He creates them out of nothing it seems. Yeah and it's 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 great to see that he has continued that that momentum that he gathered in his first season in Serie yeah. A last year proving to be a, a very good striker. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I did think at one point when he started scoring upon arrival, I was like, he'll calm down eventually, yeah. this will stop. But yeah. it never it never did. And he's off to AFCON now as well. Mm-hmm. With Nigeria, who, by the way, are absolutely stacked. Their yes, team is man. ridiculous. Come on, Nigeria. Ridiculous. We've <laughs> 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 said, like, come on. <laughs> Three different nations. <laughs> Algeria, Morocco, Nigeria. Oh, Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast. Seco Fofana. Come on, I am anticipating a top African Cup of Nations after how the African teams did in the World Cup. Yeah. Four years ago, the African Cup of Nations, everyone was laughing at them. Let's it's see them now. It's only for the group stages because there are some countries who are a little bit unfortunate, to say the least. Um, but as the, obviously, the bigger teams start to play each other, it gets, mm-hmm. it gets better and better, right? Yeah. <laughs> and fuck that, man. Those games are the best to watch, man. Small nations, man. You know, I'm I'm from Malta. I'm used to it. Yeah, so you you love watching Malta. I love watching Malta, man. I, I love, love supporting Malta. Malta. I, I hate watching them. <laughs> it's brutal, man. Yeah, but you know, can I can I tell you by the way how I've been screaming for Kristovic for so long? Mm. He finally starts. And he, was he drops this fucking stinker, <laughs> and he was missing chances. My God, man! I was like, ah. I was like, hey, that's the position I, w- I was talking about where, where Piccoli would miss typically. And I'd be like, oh, Christopher would do better there. He, he had mm. like three of those his game and he missed them all. Yeah, he was really off form, man. It wasn't a good performance by Christovic. I was watching and that's exactly what what I was thinking. Like, yeah. would I prefer Piccoli over there? I mean, it's 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 tough when you have to choose between garbage and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Come on. I'm being a bit too harsh here. They're both going through a bit of a tough spell, but you know, it's like what I called Verona strikers. And then, who would you, who would you rather have? Uh, Giovanni Simeone, who I've been calling Diego Simeone for 106 episodes now. Um, Kevin Lasagna and Thomas Henry. Oh I think, who do you prefer those three or Ed Dedenedi? <laughs> that was so funny, man. Great. I love highlighting my jokes. <laughs> One more thing about Atalanta. I like this Pasalic way more than the Pasalic that was playing before. The Pasalic that is allowed to roam into the areas he wants to roam into. Because mm-hmm. he's such an intelligent player. You cannot put him in a system where, like Atalanta, we know the formation they play. Mm-hmm. It's either a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2. Mm-hmm. Always, always, always. He cannot be in a pivot. Pasalic. Do not put him in a pivot. You put him if, if you're gonna put him in a pivot, make sure your defense is holding a tight low block. Because obviously you're gonna be compromised one one central midfielder. Um but man, as an attacking midfielder, or at least when they tell him Isma, push push up, brother, push up, that is when he's most dangerous. And and, and we're seeing it. He's grabbing goals, he's grabbing assists, he's having cracks at goals. He's not this a, is passage, yeah. bro. This is passage. He's not a pass sideways run a lot type of player. You know, mm. simplicity in itself is an art in the game, of yeah. course. Um and you, we look at so many players who who are praised and hailed for keeping it simple more often than not. Mm-hmm. Pasalic on the other hand is is a player who is 
creatively brilliant. The pitch is an empty canvas. Yes, let him paint it. Let him paint it. Yeah. With his heat map and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> this got too artsy. Yeah, but the thing is, there's there's Coop Miners as well, who's just much better, right? No, I mean, yes. And way more versatile. Because so Coop Miners can play in a pivot. Yeah, Coop yeah. Miners can play... In front of the defense, for crying Miners out loud. Miners can play in any position in that midfield. Exactly. By the way, guys, I know Jake got me a Scalvini shirt, and Jake knows I got him a Coke yes, Miners we, shirt. Obviously, we, Christmas is over, yes. and we exchanged gifts. Yay! Um, fun fact, I had to buy two Atalanta kits, because I forgot to print the name on the first one. Because Jake does things. So, so Jake doesn't do things strategically. Jake does things where he gets a motivational rush to do things. Yes. And sometimes it gets the better of his brain. I have ADHD. <laughs> and I don't take medication. Okay, it's it's undiagnosed. Yeah. ADHD. But it's it so is. Like, you know I what I know, mean? Man. I don't know. I sometimes just feel like a boomer when it comes to this thing. <laughs> How do I manage? I literally, I, I have a memory clicking it, like the, but, but whatever. But yeah, at least we have two kits now, but they're different. At least, three. So. Three. We've got yeah. three. We, we've got a, a blank one, a lovely away kit from last season with the woman running as the badge. Um, Jake has the away kit of this season uh, without a sponsor. We both got each yeah. other kits without sponsors because Atalanta sponsors can be fucking dreadful. I have Scalvini home this season. Jake has Coke Miners away this season. Love that. Love what a that. collection. Yeah. Um, I'm going to close off this game um, because now we're just talking about kits. Um, but Atalanta were, were <laughs> Atalanta were frustrated by Lecce. They missed several opportunities, but they did manage to get a victory. And that is what good teams do. Atalanta keep themselves in the picture in sixth place on 29 points. Um, they're just four points behind Fiorentina and fourth. You know what I mean? Yeah. As Lecce, 13th place on 20 points. Lazio beat Frosinone 3-1. Um, the initial half was a contest um, with both teams struggling to find the net. Um, Lazio started aggressively, but no, neither team managed to score. Um, Frosinone were quite confident with their defensive approach and they did manage to frustrate Lazio's attacking efforts and the first half concluded in a goalless draw. The second half witnessed a thrilling turnaround, however. Frosinone took the lead through a penalty by Sole after Guendouzi's handball. Um, this was their first ever goal against Lazio, by the way. Whoa. And then Lazio swiftly responded with goals through Castellanos and Isaksen, as the pair linked up twice to score two lovely goals in quick succession. Wow. Castellanos' goal was a looping header and Isaksen's was a well-placed shot. And both brilliant goals. Don't yeah, I love the looping header. Yeah. Um, Lazio took advantage of Frosinone's lapse in concentration at the end when Rick scored, concealing the victory. That's so good, bro. Yeah, the ready and everything. Thank you. I love that. <laughs> it's been on my lap all episode on that video pause on 14 seconds, just waiting to use it. <laughs> Patrick, for those of you who live under a rock. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Um, so, this game, um, respect to Sarri. Um, Castellanos was having a stinker, a, meh. a nightmare, and he kept him on. He showed faith in Castellanos, and Castellanos repaid him. In the second half, it was an absolutely, completely different player. He took out Philip Anderson, he took out Pellegrini, he took out Kamada, but he didn't take out 
Castellanos. Um, who else you gonna bring on? To be honest, as well, yeah. Chiro's out injured. You know. Yeah, but you know you can bring on um, the likes. You of, could put Philip Anderson as a false nine, bring on a winger, maybe. Yes, yes, there, there are many alternatives, and even Pedro. You bring on Pedro as a false nine. Yeah. Um, but yes, man, it has to be said that these guys, Castellanis and Isaacson, have both repaid Sarri when he didn't substitute them. Isaacson had a similar thing in Europe, I believe. He had a, a game in, in the Champions League where he was. Having a stinker, he brought on, he took off someone else, and then eventually Zexen scored. And I can't quite remember the details of the game, but it definitely occurred. Um, I want to talk about a little bit, bro. Felipe Anderson. Mm-hmm. What the hell happened to him? One of the streakiest players there is in the league. I don't know why you seem surprised, like because he he he's literally yes, it's, like he's very streaky. It's been his his personality and his character style, whatever, for a yeah. while, right? But last season was a fantastic season for Philip. Yeah, the good and he season. He was one of their season. best players, man. Mm-hmm. How can you just go from that to this? He looks abysmal right now. He looks terrible, man. Aha! Uh-huh. Well, when it's something like that, I I have no idea what it is about the player. I think it's it it's more a question of their like how good they are mentally. Because yeah. in order to remain consistent, you need to be a fucking brick you need to have a a brick mind you know what i yeah, mean yeah, impenetrable yeah. maybe he's just not one of those guys but to me he's been he's been streaky a long long time and this and now yeah. he started the season off well and like you're saying he had a great season last season but hey streaky players have good seasons absolutely yes man um they were missing luis alberto for this game um however they still managed to score three goals which is very good for them luis alberto mm-hmm. i noticed the thing by the way recently it's like him and zakani play alone Mm, Luis Alberto yes bro I mean and in fact Luis Alberto doesn't often change he doesn't often switch sides switch mm. the play he keeps it on his side and he just plays with Zakani mm. and Kamada's growing more and more frustrated man Kamada's being left out and it's, yeah. it's sad to see bro yeah we, we posted that snippet yeah. recently go watch it on our TikTok guys that's area spotlight or Instagram or anywhere or Instagram or anywhere um, yeah he, he he looks very frustrated with it yeah He's often ignored, and it's it's sad to see. But yeah, um, solid win for Lazio. Good management by Sarri, and a very good reaction from the players. Frosinone, of course, um, a terrible mistake by Luca Garritano also on that second goal yeah. leading up to it. He just gave the ball away so clumsily. And, you know, it's so frustrating for a player because when you make a mistake like that, you need to run back. Yeah. And there's no way you're getting the ball, but you have to run back or else you're going to get shot on. Yeah. So he just runs back to just kick the ball. That's already in the yeah. back of the net. Very yeah. frustrating. <laughs> yeah, that's, there's nothing worse for a footballer. Yeah. Lazio are in ninth with 27 points, while Frosinone are in 14th with 19 points. A relegation six-pointer dogfight. Yes, please. Are you ready? Verona nil, Salernitana one. Yes. Um, this was a massive clash as Hellas were just one point clear of the drop zone and Pippo Anzaghi was already feeling the pressure at rock bottom despite a 2-2 draw with Milan earlier on. Um, Andre Duda was suspended and Jaden Braff was injured for the hosts while Ochoa and Bulaedia were still out of action for Salernitana. Now, both teams started cautiously, with Salernitana having some more possession. There are a few chances in the ter- in the opening 30 minutes, including a header from Chuana and a shot from Davidovic. Uh, in the final moments of the first half, Salernitana created a couple of opportunities with Montepo making crucial saves, particularly the ones on Simi and Castanos. 
Salernitana took the lead early in the second half with Chuan as well plays diagonal shot after a counter-attack. Like we said, it was very, very similar to Lukman's goal. Um, Verona had a chance to equalize at the 65th minute, but Ngonj missed a sitter from close range. Now, despite Verona pushing forward, Salernitana, though fatigued, maintained possession and defended well. Towards the end, Salernitana had a chance on the counter with Koulibaly, but failed to convert, and it was a massive victory for Salernitana. Yes, they're still dead last, but this is the momentum that they need before they start jumping other teams, no? Absolutely, of course. Um, and this was a crucial win because, as you mentioned, this is this would have been the, the definition of a six-pointer. Mm-hmm. Had Salernitana lost this, their survival hopes would be fucking demolished, practically. Mm-hmm. You, they've cut... The distance between them and Verona to two points. With this there you go. Like there it's go. it's massive. It's massive. Yeah, yeah they're, they're no longer guaranteed. Not that they were ever guaranteed relegation, yeah. but it was looking pretty fucking obvious that that they were strong contenders. Now they're in a very similar situation, essentially to, to their 18th placed Cagliari, yeah. like and fucking 17th placed Verona. Um, so yeah, ma- massive, massive victory for them. I want to highlight the performance of Chuana, who yes got the goal, but he also cleared the ball off the line. So mm-hmm. there's some versatility for you by Chuana. So shout out Chuana from Serie A Spotlight. Yeah. I love that Nzagi's playing Simi. It makes me feel like Simi's a good striker and real recognize real. However, yeah. Simi keeps having shocker after shocker after shocker, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I really hope he grows into it. Love the player. Well, he hadn't been in Serie A for a while, so yeah. he needs he needs some time. Um, the raid on Salernitana has begun. The raid on all these bottom teams have beca- has begun. To be honest, um, Terracciano. Did we? Did I mention that Terracciano's off to Milan? By the no, way, no. I think I was supposed to mention Terracciano, the fullback of Verona, is probably joining Milan most likely. Mm-hmm. A very uh, versatile young player. Yeah. Uh, I believe he was born in two thousand and three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes, yes, um, very young. Could play right back, left back, defensive midfield, anywhere. Yeah, the likes of Brotheridge and Matsoki are being rumoured out as well. I heard rumours of Brotheridge to Torino, for example. And um, Matsoki to Napoli. Napoli yeah. Um, on the other hand, they have many African players who will be leaving to Afcon, or who have left rather to Afcon. So we'll see what they do in January. They have brought in. Walter Sabatini, who was who was a legendary sporting director in the industry, he was previously at Palermo, at um, Roma, Lazio, Salernitana, and the miracle survival season. Bologna. He's always managed to build um, one hell of a team wherever he he's been. So we'll see what he can do with Salernitana this January. Yep, yep, and and I think there's there's a lot of work to to be done over there. Uh, we'll see what. Verona are are gonna do because it's not looking good for them from an ownership perspective. They are claimed to be bankrupt. Uh-huh. Their president is bankrupt, and they're probably gonna be taken over um, by the the share the appropriate shareholders. Um, so it's selling season for Hellas Verona right now. We'll see what the new owners um, yeah. do. When isn't it selling season for Verona? <laughs> the for only the only difference is they 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 are no longer a gold mine. Let's put it that yeah. way. Salernitan are still last on just 12 points in 18 matches. Um, However, they are getting closer and closer to, to, you know, competing with Empoli, Cagliari and Verona. Verona, who are in 17th, are on 14 points. Um, Also, Isaac Hien has joined Atalanta and that's a massive sign. Yes. um, Yes. Hellas Verona's best centre-back. Yep. 
Yeah, um, there was also another relegation six-pointer between Cagliari and Empoli, where Cagliari were, to be honest, um, uh, better than Empoli, I think, for the majority of the game. Mm. Both teams fielded a trequartista, funnily enough, this game, um, and I was very excited to watch the game as it was um, a 4-3-1-2 for both teams with Viola and Daniel Maldini acting as the trequartisti, but it led to no goal, so I was quite disappointed. Um the interesting thing to note was that um, Pavoletti did win a penalty for Cagliari, um, but it was missed by Viola as the goalkeeper mm-hmm. saved it. Viola did score from a crazy free kick, a very uns- unscorable angle. And, and he shot and it looped its way into the back of the net, but there was a foul by Pavoletti on Caprile, the goalkeeper, so it didn't actually count. And um, and yeah, that was pretty much the game. Empoli liked the counter-attack using their pace with uh, Cambiaghi and um, Caputo, of course, trying to break through the lines. Daniel Maldini looks pretty good, surprisingly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but but that's that was pretty much the game. Cap- Caprile, obviously, with, with the penalty save. Do remember, I, I believe he's owned by Napoli. Caprile, yes. if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Um, brilliant save to deny the penalty and I was surprised to see him start even though surprised saves are Berisha has had a couple of stinkers but he's also had some good performances yeah. but I always find it bold when teams drop their starting goalkeeper I always find it's a it's a big balls move I agree I agree um, but Caprila has been has been brilliant um, and he was brilliant last season at Bari as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a great save on Petani at the end as well. It was just an all-round fantastic display by him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when it comes to the standings, of course, they are both bottom-tier teams. Um, Cagliari are in, 14th, uh, in 18th with 14 points, while Empoli are in 19th with 13 points. They had the opportunity to jump each other, but couldn't quite do it. Um, Cagliari getting so close with that penalty and that offside goal. Mm-hmm. But of course, they couldn't. A lot of these games do tend to end up nil-nil because of none of the teams kind of want to risk too much. Um, in fact, it, it's always a, a, a good bet to put on, even though like Verona, Salernitana would have lost you money in that sense. But it is <clears> typical that relegation, six-pointers, especially earlier on in the season, and title contention matches earlier on in the season typically lead to draws yeah this was another game by the way where Zito Lovumbo started in the second half wow yeah. okay. <laughs> okay then he starts him from the from minute one against Milan the exactly for the counter for the counter against Milan I guess but yes guys that's it for this episode we do apologize because we have uh, promised you that question segment episode which is something that that we've been doing recently instead of cramming it into one episode we like to do separate episodes addressing our uh, listener questions it's not something that we like avoiding or ignoring but the schedule has been so tight and with with christmas as well um games happening over the festive period it's just been much tougher for us especially since we're humans with lives and, yeah. and, and had to do all of this stuff um it, it, it was bloody tough to to keep it up, but we will get it out as, as soon as we can. Um, can't guarantee I did, but as soon as we can, we will get that out. Um, and don't forget to enter our giveaway, guys. The post is going to be live very soon. If you're listening to this, chances are it's already live. Yeah. Go check it out. They are really cool sweaters. And Jake and I have one, and then there's just the one you guys are going to own. So they are literally 
limited edition and who knows maybe we'll be something big one day yeah 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 and maybe we'll be mass producing them as well one day but if you are interested in these sweaters do let us know we'll try to arrange something for you um apart from the giveaway of course yeah naturally um at embroidered underscore malta on instagram are the company we are collaborating with they do a magnificent job this is a dying art the embroidered industry nowadays you can print you could you could do stuff via machine this and that but these are a couple of very talented women who do a spectacular job um, embroidering. Yeah, that's the word, embroidering. So shout out to them. Um, shout out to all of you. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. Rate us five stars wherever you're listening. We've been Seria Spotlight and we'll see you all next week. This is Seria Spotlight. If you like Syria A or have ever liked it in the past, it's a good opportunity for you to listen once a week and you'll get filled in. In the football weekend, that's like the main dish. But then a few days later, you drop your episode and that's like the dessert. And the dessert is just perfect. It's good, the cake. It makes it feel like we're all sitting in a room together, just BSing with each other. The atmosphere is fantastic. I promise nobody will ask you to send boob pics. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. I love how you go into so much detail and show so much passion towards each and every team. Literally, no team is left undiscussed. When I listen to you, it's like I'm talking to you in a pub. It's like I'm chatting to a friend and you're chatting to me.